All right, welcome back, everybody. Um, podcast number 52. Going to go to a Facebook question. Last last two, I think, were Instagram, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that had actually kind of, um, kind of sparked a bunch of questions that came both Facebook and Instagram um, that I think are good. Some of, so some of these questions are just really long. And a lot of the questions that I get on social media aren't that long and they're easy enough for me to um, type back questions that I think are are thorough um, and complete and I just some of these are just so long that I just there's no way I can I can justify or or do a good job answering it um, by typing because I'd have to write a book and so and there's a lot of variables and there's a lot of a lot of different scenarios that you can go down um, that impact my answer so this was a pretty long one, um, and I messaged uh, the gal that sent it to me. I messaged her back, and I said, hey, do you mind if I do this as a podcast? Do you listen to the podcast? And she does listen to the podcast. She said uh, mostly it's been for puppy training so far, but um, she said she'd love to hear it answered there. So um, I am going to read it to you, and then we'll get into it a little bit. Um, it's really long. So... Here, here's I'll, I'll read it I'll read through it so that you guys and t- to be honest with you uh, this is probably a good one for me too um, I haven't thought about the answer to this one much and quite honestly I don't really remember the question so I remember reading it I got it on the 19th which was about gonna be two weeks ago yeah. um, so it was a little while ago um, I read it and I re- immediately remember responding back to her going uh, podcast question because I, I, I wouldn't be able to do a very good answer um, by writing it. There's just too many too many things here. So let me read it to you. Good evening. Question for you. I have a 16-week-old red fox lab. She seems more like Gamble from your DVDs. Personality-wise, definitely not like Odin. Um, just to give you guys a, a understanding of what that means, Odin and Gamble were two puppies that we used training are filming our puppy training DVD. So our series of DVDs, we did one that was specifically for puppies. Uh, Odin and Gamble were both labs, but they were drastically different personalities. Odin was a very relaxed, quiet, um, calm, just a really almost slow-moving little puppy. Um, Gamble had a little more zip, a little more energy. Uh, Both great little dogs very similar in age uh, when we filmed that and the reason we did it was because I wanted to show contrasting styles of dogs require a little bit of variation in training so we got we have the same process but a little bit different approach so she's referencing that so uh, seems more like gamble personality wise definitely not like Odin a little aggressive and somewhat bold she's doing well and making progress in several areas she is quiet inside of her crate mostly housebroken sits on command and will stay put for quite some time heals well inside the house really well we live in minnesota so most training is inside because it's so stinking cold heals outside on the road about 60 percent of the time is being much more patient at feeding times and i'm working hard to recall she does better inside outside is a big struggle Recall continues to be a sticking point, especially if she gets a hold of something or anything. I feel like we've untrained her to retrieve. Sad face. I have four young boys in the house, and early on I think we gave her way too much freedom because it's so fun to have a cute puppy. When she'd pick up an object, it became a game of chase and yelling at her. 
Recently, I really restricted her freedoms and she's not allowed to roam at all in the house, so it's improving inside the house. However, if she gets a hold of something outside, she will take off and refuses to recall. How do we go about correcting this? Unfortunately, I ordered your DVD a little late in the game and I think it may have saved us a little trouble if I had done more training for myself before bringing her home. Then she hit send. And so I read that one and I went, boy, that's a pretty long message. But then I read, sorry, I wasn't quite finished and accidentally sent it. I had been working on a really short puppy retrieves in a very small hallway. And for a while, she seemed to be getting the hang of it. But then it's become a game of chase and lay down and chew. I'm holding off for now as she is teething and I'm hoping you'll give me some direction on how to restart that process. I was going to mention that I that I realize I'm starting a little late on this. Her place bed should be arriving Saturday, and I plan to begin the process immediately. I'm also wondering what your dog's typical day really looks like, about how many hours are they in the place or on place or in their crates. I feel like I'm depriving her of exercise and playtime, probably something I need to get over. Thanks so much for your help. Your DVDs finally inspired my 10-year-old boy who so desperately wants to get a dog, wanted a dog to get involved in her training. He was rather complacent, avoidant the first few weeks. I think he's expecting a calm, trained dog to come home with us. Puppyhood was a little shocking to him. So, if you look at those two messages that I got from her, it took a while to read through them. There's a lot there. That's why I said, boy, I can't, I won't do you um, much good by trying to answer that by text, uh, by typing. Um, so I'm going to break it down. So there's a lot there. And so I just reread it myself. And the whole time I was rereading it, uh, I wanted to just read it, read through it solid so that you could hear the message and, and get a vision or get an idea of what I'm looking at. Now, honestly, I as I read these things, I break these things down in my mind as I'm reading them. There's no way I would read through that entire uh, question and then start thinking about answers to it. Um, and so the reason I say that is I think as a trainer, I think that's part of um, the idea or mentality of me being a trainer. I'm looking at breaking things down constantly. And I think, especially when it comes to training, um, you know, I actually think it's kind of a, a smart way of approaching things in life at, at, at times. Um, but specifically when it comes to dog training, my mind is, my mind was going like, I was having a hard time reading through all that because I wanted to make a comment about every other sentence um, because I'm making almost mental notes in my own head. But so as I work through this, I'm going to, because there's just so many different things here. I mean, um, this, this question could be four, maybe five different directions of answers. And so I'm going to start at the top and I'm going to break my way. I'm going to work my way through this and break this whole thing down um, because I do think it's segmented. It's compartmentalized. It's not a one direction answer. Um, and, it, and a lot of them are connected to each other. So it's real interesting how the dynamic of this question is very much like a broad picture, um, general dog training statement. And so all of you guys at home, myself included, have different dogs at different positions in, in their training, different positions in their life, different spots as far as progress goes. 
Um, some of my older dogs run into issues that completely put the brakes on whatever our big picture goal is. And then we have to fix those. And sometimes to fix those, we have to go back. And sometimes we go back and then we realize part of the reason that that problem showed up was because maybe we weren't quite as good at what we needed to be a step or two before that. So it's this fluid adjustment constantly and tweaking of these dogs to get them to move. And I, I just got off the phone with a guy that called me about his training progress with his shed dog and he wanted to know what's the next step. And well, his first question was, how much scent should I be putting on the training dummies? And I told him, I said, boy, that's a, there is no black and white answer for that. There's no put an ounce on per application because there's too many variables that dictate when and why and how we put scent on training dummies. So you can't, you, it's a mindset and it's a mentality as a trainer that we have to get out of our mind the idea of step one, two, three to get to, to, get to completion. It's one, three, four, seven, six, five. It just all depends on how things are going. Now, do we have a general direction that we want to be moving? Yes, but it's not so cut and dry all the time. So I'm going to go back to the beginning of this message and I'm going to start reading through it because there is some sequencing in here that makes sense to me. Um, she has started out talking about more foundational stuff. Then she works into some retrieving stuff. Um, she talks about, and she also self-diagnoses some issues throughout here. So some of the stuff she's got good awareness on, um, potentially why she may be having some of these issues. But let's go to the beginning. Uh, so she gives us a little bit of an idea. So for, first thing, 16-week-old dog, four months. My favorite time is about this age. I love this age because... I really feel like these dogs are able to then start t making some significant progress. Prior to 16 weeks, from like eight weeks, seven or eight weeks to like 16 weeks, I look at that window, and maybe you could even back it up to like 12 to 14 maybe weeks, but 16 weeks is usually a benchmark for me. Um, I see them mature. I see dogs mature um, physically, maybe a little bit mentally. Um, but prior to that, I, I'm really trying to get a dog comfortable and trusting and to love me. And I'm trying to love it. So I think that it's really important and overlooked. Um, the early parts of puppies don't get me nearly as excited as some people um, because I'm just not a cuddler. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get as much reward and as much enjoyment out of cuddling up with a puppy as I do watching a puppy thrive and learn stuff that to me is more rewarding and exciting but i do think that that cuddling part that loving part that trusting part needs to be built and i think it's a bonding thing um i do think that's a really important part that happens first because without it i just don't think we can start getting these dogs to give us what we need them to give us as far as trust and belief and partnership and teamwork so for those first few weeks that's a really important part that I focus on. Um, it's exposing them to new stuff. Um, Bella Be Good is probably the best. The series that we're filming right now um, is probably the, maybe it's the freshest in my mind. Um, live with Spry was good too, but Live with Spry was maybe a little bit harder to follow um, because it was done live and it, and it just had a different just had a different structure to it. Um, these are all YouTube videos and series that I'm referring to, but Bella Be Good in the first couple sessions, I never put her on a lead. We just walked her through stuff. We got her, and I get, and she was about 13 weeks at the time, 12 or 13 weeks when we brought her home. So 
later than what I normally would with a puppy. But if you go back to the four weeks prior to that, if I had had that puppy, it would have been the same thing. We'd have just been building this confidence in her, building her confidence in herself, um, connecting. And then you get to this 16 week old age, which is where you guys are with your dog. I don't think you gave us a name on this dog, but <clears throat> I think it, it is a she, so we're gonna refer to her as her probably. But, so you got this 16 week old dog. <clears throat> In my mind, I'm starting to think right away of really a nice age, a sponge-like age that really can learn some stuff. Now you say she's a little more like Odin, not like, or not like Odin, a little more like Gamble. I'm envisioning a dog with a little more zip a little more drive, some people call it. I don't know if I call it drive. I call it, um, they're a little, they're wound a little tighter. Um, their personality is not nearly as complacent. It's not a bad thing and it's not a good thing. It's just the way they are. And so we just have to have that in mind and understand that. So what I do understand when I have dogs that are wound a little tighter is, I usually say, I better slow things down. Uh, when I have dogs that are a little bit slower, I pick the pace up. And that means in the times that I'm interacting with the dog and training. So I'm hearing this, that she's a little bit bold. She's a little aggressive. Aggressive to me is not positive. Um, I don't need, and so it depends on what the definition of aggressive is. If aggressive means nipping, biting, chewing, that's disrespectful. So I don't allow it. And so I say, if that's the issue, we firm up. And so I firm up, which means become a leader, become a good leader. Um, don't allow the dog to even question the leadership. And so I do think that some of that behavior stuff is testing. Um, and dogs are just kind of predisposed. They're wired to do that. If they don't find strong leadership, they become leaders or they try to become leaders. So the little aggressive and somewhat bold, it all, it's a, that's a, another question for you. What does that mean? If it means nipping, biting, chewing, I'm picking the pup up by the scruff of the neck and I'm gonna have it to do it probably once because I'm gonna get firm, growly, and she's gonna understand, don't do that. And so you can hear it in my voice just now. I changed from just kind of small talk to don't do that. That's enough. And when you hear that, when my kids hear that, I get behavioral change. When my dogs hear that, I get behavioral change. It doesn't have to be overwhelmingly bully-like, but it definitely has to be strong and confident and serious and mean it. And it's a respect thing. So then at times I'm gonna to have to soften up a little bit and encourage and be a little bit softer and I might even get a little excited with them. But if I got a dog that's gonna get a little bit too excited, I'm probably not gonna spin them up like this and I'm not gonna go real fast. I'm not gonna get real high pitch. I'm not gonna get like that. It's not gonna happen like that. It's gonna slow down. So as you just listen to that, if you're a dog, you probably paid attention when I got faster and high pitched and you kind of went, whoa, 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 we're gonna do something. And if you got a dog that has a tendency to wanna do that all the time, when you don't necessarily want them to, you don't necessarily pour gas on that fire. Instead, you slow things down a little bit. You don't have to be real hard with your voice. You can be relatively calm, but everything slows and so when your dog hears that last 10 seconds, they want to go if their natural tendency is they want to go, 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 go. They hear that and they go, we're not doing that. We're going the opposite way. And so they're, they're going to start to mirror that. So I think that's something that when I read this, you know, a little aggressive, a little bold, 
right away I'm going, I'm slowing everything down. I'm defining the leadership. And it's not creating fear. It's not getting a dog to be afraid of me. It's getting a dog to respect me and go, this doesn't mean any, he doesn't mean, he's, he means business, he's not fooling around. We're not gonna, we're not, there's no reason for me to test this guy. He is my leader. So that's, that's, a, that's a mindset thing. So now, in several areas, she's quite, she's quiet inside of her crate, which is great. So we don't have to worry about that. Um, that's a patience thing, that's a safety thing. So I like that. Um, if she wasn't quiet in the crate, you know, covering the crate usually is a fix. I cover it with a blanket, um, put it in a spot where it doesn't get a lot of distractions. So, but you don't have that issue. Mostly housebroken is a little concerning to me. Um, it need to be all the way housebroken and as soon as possible at 16 weeks. Mostly housebroken is leaving a, a crack in the door. It's leaving the door half half open and we don't want that. Um, there will be issues. So. Mostly housebroken, I think we got to make that 100% housebroken. That falls on us from a routine standpoint. Uh, that falls on us from a routine and an understanding of we control what goes in, we'll control what comes out. So routine, consistency, um, that's going to make housebreaking perfect. Um, and you need to have that. Sits on command and will stay put for quite some time. Understandable, quite some time is slowly extending it. So sits on command is good. All stuff that can be worked on during feeding time. And for that first eight weeks, from seven or eight weeks old till 16 weeks, so you got you got eight to nine weeks probably with that dog. Um, feeding times is where we're gonna achieve a lot of this stuff. Uh, but sits and, and some remote sits and some little bit of delayed sits, not necessarily stay, but um, that's, that sounds like you're doing well. Heals well inside the house, really well. Outside of the house, 60%. So I don't know what that means. At 16 weeks old, um, healing really well, I would be on lead. Um, so on lead in the house, that sounds like it's going really well. Now we need to transition it. If, the, if I'm reading this right, about 60% out of the time, outside, 60% of the time, I look at that and I go, well, how come? Is it just because it's a new area? Because if it's a new area, replicate the training outside the best you can. Um, if it's a, if it maybe it doesn't have to be outside. Maybe it just needs to be a different spot inside. Maybe it needs to be your basement. Maybe it needs to be somewhere else. Maybe it needs to be you go to a uh, public place that's indoors that you can bring your dog, but doesn't have a lot of people. I'm not talking about bringing them to Petco. Um, too many distractions there, but. If you go to a place where you can have the dog and it's not necessarily, if it's a temperature thing and it's too cold outside, go somewhere else. But if it, it, it's, it's practicing and replicating and forming habits because of the consistency and repetition, and then when you change the location, is the habit strong enough to transfer? Um, so I think you gotta assess why, why that is and, and make the adjustments. Um, is being much more patient at feeding times and I'm working hard at recall. Recall. She does better inside, outside is a big struggle. At 16 weeks, the dog has started to develop the confidence to not necessarily want to always be with you, especially when there's distractions outside and I see them want to run off. And if you don't have the ability to get them back, you're in trouble because how are you going to catch them at 16 weeks? You're not going to. So what we need to do is we need to look at if you're going outside and it's becoming an issue because you're losing control and not able to recall, put the dog on the lead. So when the dog goes outside, they're under control. You've eliminated the chance for the dog to run off. And so you may need to do that for a while. And I think a lot of people go, I don't want to have to do that every time I take them out. I'm not saying for the rest of your life. I'm saying 
until you correct and get through this issue that you're struggling with recall. And how do you do that? You gotta practice recall. You gotta get recall better. So if the recall is the weakness, which you've assessed that, recall is the weakness, especially in situations where there's distractions. Does really well in the house. Start moving locations. The dog didn't do perfectly in the house right from the beginning, but it got better with practice. Now, a little bit of, I'll let you cheat a little bit. At 16 weeks old, if the puppy is food driven and likes to have um, kibble, use kibble in those distracting situations. Don't go from A to Z. Don't go from a place that's no distractions and she does perfectly to a place that's so many distractions, doesn't stand a chance. Add slowly new distractions. Maybe the, maybe the way to do it is in the house where she's doing really well, but bring a distraction into it. Bring another person, bring another dog that's well-trained. Bring something that may serve as a distraction in the location that she's doing well. Instead of changing the location, just add an element to the original spot where she's doing it good. And start slowly adding some distractions to it, which you can then work through. And then you can add another, and then you can add another. And it's just putting another layer onto this thing. But don't be afraid to use a little bit of kibble. I don't have a problem. I'm not a treat trainer. Not a treat trainer, not a treat. You're not going to see me wear fanny packs full of kibble. I don't do it. But in certain situations, and recall is one of them, if I have to do it to get the dog to go th get through that distraction and come to me and get the reward, okay. And then I phase the kibble out really quickly. Because the dogs don't, the, my dogs don't come to me because I give them food. They come to me because they know it's the right thing to do. And they get praised for it. They ma it makes me happy. They understand that they're pleasing me. That is what they are wired for. They're not... They're not um, vending machines that take quarters and perform when you put a quarter in them. And so I'm not going to turn it into bribery. It's going to turn into a habit, but I will use that little bit of food early on. So that might be something that you can use. Um, and I'm, a I'm fine with it, but you got to phase it out. Replace it with a praise. And then after a while, it becomes habit. And it's ingrained, and it's an expectation that you have, and they will perform. So, um, feel like we've, okay, so recall continues to be a sticking point, especially if she gets a hold of something. This is different. This is, this is, this is one in, and it's different. Recall is recall with distractions. Recall with something in your mouth equals a retrieve. And so now you're bringing in, so I don't know if these are one and the same or if you've got two different issues, but we just talked about the, the idea of recall being a big struggle outside with distractions. And now the next line is recall continues to be a sticking point, especially if she gets a hold of something or anything in her mouth. So you just went from recall being an issue to retrieves and running off being an issue. They're two different subjects, recall fixes, uh, both, you know, if you got good recall, you can call your dog through a distraction. If you've got good recall, you can call them if they have something in their mouth and they'll come to you. Now, I look at that as a, f I look at retrieves as a formed habit. I look at when they pick something up that they're supposed to retrieve, I think they need to bring that back to me. Like they're, they need to be wired to bring it back to me instantly. Pick something up, bring it back to dad. Now, recall itself is a little bit different. Dog might be out doing something, quartering, casting, or wandering, doing whatever it's doing. It doesn't necessarily have something that triggers it to come back to me with until I call them. That's really recall. 
So my verbal cue to them, or visually, if they see me at a distance and can't hear me, or the whistle, beep, 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 come running back to dad. So that's different than pick something up, bring it back to dad. That's what my shed dog's gonna do. My shed dog's gonna be hunting, quartering, and casting, find something, pick it up, and not wait for me to recall them. They're gonna just instantly bring it back to me. The bird that they find, they're gonna find it and come back to me. They're not gonna find it and then turn around and wait to be called. So there is a little bit of difference there, but the re if the recall is good, which yours isn't right now, but if it is good the way I need it to be, you'll, that'll help you get through this issue of running off with something in their mouth. So, but you got some, you got, so you got two problems there. Running off with something in your mouth can be fixed by setting up the situation to be better for you. Don't give them the chance to run off. So, um, if this goes back to, it's a slippery slope because if you're outside and they're picking stuff up and running away with it, you've, you've set yourself up to be in a poor position. Just like you've set yourself up to be in a poor position to recall the dog, put the dog on a leash. Don't allow it to happen. And again, it doesn't have to be forever, but it has to be until you get through these problems. So now we're talking more specifically where you say recall continues to be a sticking point, especially if she gets something in her mouth. Now that's a retrieve issue. Now I also, we're gonna, so we're not gonna talk about retrieving yet because we're gonna get to that because I think you talk about that a little bit later. So now it says, I have four young boys in the house early on. I think we gave her way too much freedom because it's so fun to have a cute puppy. When she picked something up, it became a game of chase and yelling at her, bingo, self-assessed. You just realized what your issue was. So you're not only trying to train something into the dog right now, you're actually training something out of the dog. You're training the game of chase that's been programmed into the dog out. That's gonna be a little bit more of a hurdle. Um, when she picked up an object, it became a game of chase and yelling at her probably exciting for her, probably going, wow, this is awesome. Recently, I've really restricted her freedoms and she's not allowed to roam the house anymore. So that's perfect. So that's improving inside the house. However, if she still gets a hold of something outside, she'll take off and refuses to recall. How do we go about correcting this? We just talked about it. Eliminate the opportunity for failure. Put the dog on a lead. And when you, and then work on recall in those other situations, get that better. And then you're gonna work on some better delivery and you're gonna start working on the habit of delivery. You've, get built a bit, you've built a big hurdle because you've created a problem that you now have to train out. So now, I'm gonna just keep going here uh, and we'll end up circling back to that. Unfortunately, I ordered your DVD a little late in the game and I think it may have saved us a little trouble and if I had done more training for myself. This is maybe the biggest statement that you made here that's important for anybody who's listening to this, for anyone who's getting a dog, for anyone who know someone who's getting a dog. I Unfortunately, I ordered your DVD a little late in the game and I think it may have saved us a little trouble if I would have done it more training for myself before bringing her home. This is the number one issue that I see people could avoid is get the stuff and, and study the stuff before you get the puppy. Because it's harder to fix a problem that you've trained in than it is to avoid the, the problem in the first place. And so this is just, this can't be underestimated enough, but it also is, it's the biggest consistency. Like this is the, this is the reason people come to our website because they're having problems. So they're looking for fixes for the issues that they've had. So I just, that's a really important point. I probably will take that, quote that and make a post with it uh, at some point here, Jennifer. So 
Sorry I wasn't quite finished, accidentally hit sent. So this is the second half of her message. I'd been working on a really short puppy retrieves in a very small hallway and for a while. She seemed to be getting the hang of it, but then it became a game of chase, lay down and chew. I'm holding off for now as she is teething and I'm hoping you'll give me some direction on how to restart that process. This is why I quit talking about the retrieving before because I knew you came back to it. So let's start back out here and I don't know when the, ti the timing on any of this was, but I had been working on a really short puppy retrieves in a very small hallway. That's what you need to be doing. You need to eliminate the chance for her to have opportunity to fail. She she needs You need to limit her options because right now she's not a very good decision maker. She's making bad decisions. And so you need to eliminate some of the opportunity to make those bad decisions when and where you can. So minimizing her chances to fail is the key. The long hallway is, is the answer. You were doing it in a short hallway, a small hallway. That's fine. You got to get good at that and then make add distance to it. And you got to be... Now, it became a game of chase or lay down and chew. It can't become a game of chase because there's nowhere to chase her in a hallway and you shouldn't be chasing her. You're never going to chase this dog with something in its mouth again. This is a rule for you, the boys, the husband, everybody in your house. You're never going to chase the dog with something in its mouth. I don't care if it has um, what's something that would be really delicate and fragile that the puppy could pick up that would get him in trouble. TV remote. TV remote. That could be really important to someone like Ben. <laughs> so if the dog picks up the TV remote, you will not chase the dog with it. You will not yell at the dog. You will not make him, you will not, you will not do anything but get down on the ground and call the dog to you and tell them how good they are and get them to you. And if they can't, if they don't and they won't, you turn and you walk away. You ignore them because no puppy likes to be ignored. They want to be that center of attention. So you're going to turn and walk away from them. You're going to play a game of, can you catch me? Because I'm leaving. And they like to play that game too. And then when they do it, you turn around and you praise them for it. You tell them how good they are. And the last thing you do is reach out and grab that remote. Instead, you get a hold of them and you praise them. So I use that. I just did some retrieves with Bella recently where she's carrying the, she's wearing the adjustable leader collar when I send her out on retrieves. I just did an Instagram story this last weekend with it. Sent her out into some fog to make some long retrieves of some training dummies, antler dummies. And... When she comes in, I want her to start getting into a little bit cleaner delivery and having her sit to deliver. So I want her to come to the front and I'd like her to sit. I don't know that she's going to have to sit for the rest of her life, but it's another element of control for this nine-month-old puppy. So as she comes into me, you see in the video, I reach down for her and I get a hold of the adjustable leader collar. And I lift it up and I put a little pressure on it and I say, sit up for me, sit up. And I don't even think about taking anything out of her mouth. So you're not going to reach for any reach remotes or shoes or whatever it is. You're going to get a hold of the dog and you're going to get them to sit. And you've already said in the very beginning here, she sits very well. So you're going to go back to a command that she knows because this is going to be a habit that's already been formed and she's going to do it with confidence. You're going to get her to sit and you're going to trick her into the idea of, I still got this thing in my mouth. And then when she does that, you're going to get your hand under her chin and praise her and tell her to hold. And then let, take it from her and give it back. And take it from her and give it back. And we're not encouraging the idea of take the remotes anymore. What we're, what we're doing is we're telling the dog, we're not going to steal everything from you that you carry around. We'll share it with you. Bring it to me, I'll share it with you. Change the mentality of keep away 
to be bring it to dad and show him what I got. He might share it back to me. Bring it to mom. So that's what we're going to start doing. Um, and, and then we're going to eliminate that issue going forward. And, you, and here's where it's nice because you've got, see what I like about this message is, is you've got like, you've got some little parts of the puzzle. You've got some of these links of the chain going at the end. You've got some of them in the beginning. You've got some in the middle. You just don't have any of them connected. So as I read further here a little bit, you, you ordered the place bed. So, and I follow that up with a message that I'll let the listeners know. I do listen to the podcast. This is a, your response to me when I said, I'm going to do this in a podcast. You said, I do listen to the podcast, mostly just the puppy training ones. I'd love to hear it. By the way, I ordered her place bed and it came in. She did so much better than I ever expected on it. I did a few short sessions initially with good success. She actually sat on it almost through an entire family movie night last evening. So you got the place training cot and you started using it. And so this is great and you're finding success with it. This is what's gonna help you minimize and eliminate the issues that you're having with dogs grabbing shit around the house and running around and creating problems of games of chase. So place training is gonna come into it now. So you're, that's, you know, that's, that's a real component that would have been nice for you to have back at eight, nine, 10 weeks because you probably would have avoided a lot of the issues that you're maybe running into at this point. So you just you just got things out of sequence and you got things out of order. And now that you realize and have a little bit bigger overview of it, and now you got the DVDs and now you've got the, the tools and the parts and pieces, and now some of the knowledge, now you're just gonna go, oh my gosh, I got one, seven, and 12 done. I better figure out two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine, 10, 11, and start con- and doing all those things to connect those links that you already have. So um, I like that you've got parts and pieces. I think what you need to do now is fill in lots of holes. So uh, let's see. She seems to be getting the hang of it, but then it became a game of chase or lay down and chew. So you can't do chase in the hallway. We already talked about that. Lay down and chew can't be an option. So if she gets bored, it's one of it's a couple things. You maybe have gone too long. I think people over retrieve their puppies. If you go one or two retrieves successfully, be done. If you go three, four, five, six, all of a sudden dog lays down and chewing on it, and you're trying to figure out how can I get this dog back to me? She wants to. Quit. It's because you bored them. These aren't very challenging, and they're not real exciting. They can't be because you don't have the control to do very challenging and exciting things. My dogs make very few retrieves. Yesterday I did a session with Ellie and Bella. Each dog got two retrieves. It took 45 minutes to do the session. And both dogs got 45. You got two retrieves in 45 minutes. So this, the amount, the frequency, the number of retrieves isn't nearly as important as the quality of the few that you do. So one or two retrieves in the hallway, be done. Leave it with the dog wanting more. Don't leave it with the dog getting bored and laying down and chewing on it. Because now you end it on a bad note because you're not going to recover from that. You've already gone too far. So now you're not going to make another retrieve to end it on a positive note because you're just going to have another bad retrieve. So know the amount of focus your dog has and stop way before they're burnt out. So maybe that's the issue. Maybe it's not. If it's on the first retrieve and the dog's gotten already a habit of going out and laying down and chewing on it, same thing. Turn around and leave them. Go away play the game, let them play the game and chase you. So don't, don't let them. And and so, 
and, and people will say, well, how do I get my dog to come back to me? They lay down and they just look at me. Get excited. You just told me before we got a hot little puppy that's wired tight. So get excited. That's when your tone of voice can get high. That's when you can get excited. That's when you can pick up the pace. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And you got a little dog that's wound up, a little bold, a little gritty, a little... That dog can't hamp. There's no way it's laying through that. It's going to get up and it's going, let's go, let's do it. And at that moment, you go, good, here. And you start to counterbalance that so you don't spin them into a rage of white where they just blank out. So then you bring them back down. But you get them to you. And then you finish it. So it's a lot of little, little, little adjustments and little bits of reading the situation and responding and reacting really nimbly and really quickly. And that comes with practice. Um, and there's no way to get good at it without doing it um, because it's timing. It goes back to timing, how important timing is. You better understand when you need to do something because you need to anticipate it and act on it at the right instant because if you miss it, you're too late. And most of the time early on, new trainers or trainers that are not real experienced, they're always late. At least they understand it. That's the key. First, they got to understand what they are got to do. Then they got to understand when they got to do it. And by the time you understand what you got to do and when you got to do it, it's taken a lot of practice and you messed it up quite a few times. But that's it's the biggest thing I see in workshops is some people come to the workshops knowing what they need to do. They just Their timing sucks. And so their dog doesn't understand it because they miss it with the timing. Some people come to the workshops and don't know what to do, period. So just giving them the understanding of what to do is important. And then figuring out, when to do it is the next challenge. So I, I, I go through the same thing. I miss stuff with it. I, I get a little complacent. I get a little lazy. I'm not paying attention. I'm not sharp in a session. And I miss an opportunity to correct or praise. And I go, mm, I just lost that opportunity. It's not the end of the world. It's not that we're not going to get where we want to get. It's that I got to make a note of it and go, don't miss it next time. Pay attention. Set it up. Do it again. And be ready with your timing. And then build, and then we build on it, and then we build on it. So these are all opportunities that you're going to have, and it's going to take some trial and error. Um, now, what's your dog's typical day look like? How many hours are they in place? How many hours are in their crates? I feel like I'm depriving them of playtime. Probably something I need to get over. Yes, you need to get over it. Dogs aren't human beings that need to be entertained 24 hours a day. My dogs do a few things. They lay on their place. They are in their kennels or crates. When I say kennels, I mean like they're crates inside the house. I don't have outside kennels for dogs. I don't have a problem with them. I just don't do it. Uh, they're in their crates. They're on their place or they're with me under control. Right now, I don't have a dog down here. I've got four of them. All four of them are on their place upstairs. Now, do they need exercise? Yes. Do you have to give them physical burn off of energy? Yes. These young dogs at 16 weeks old don't have much energy to burn because they're growing. And people are going to laugh and go, oh, you don't know my dog. Oh, I do know your dog. You just build up this intensity of exercise, 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 and it's all physical and nothing mental. And all they do is become conditioned to be able to run more, run faster, run longer, and not get tired. Because mentally, they're not challenged at all. So I, a place training is a challenging thing for a dog. It doesn't burn many calories necessarily. But growing puppies burn... a ton of calories growing they get so tired they fall asleep they spend puppies sleep more than they're awake they have to their body has to so sleeping on their beds sleeping in their kennels giving them the 
the the challenge of thinking about not making the mistake of stepping off the bed will tire them out quicker than running them around the house 50 times because again all you're doing they're athletic they're super they're athletes they'll outrun and they'll run and they'll run and it's just like a runner the more runners run the better condition they get the longer it takes to tire them out i do think you need a balance between physical stuff and mental stuff but quite honestly putting a dog on a leash and walking them 50 yards under control over a 15 to 20 minute period and only covering 50 yards that's not very far but if it takes 20 minutes to do it because you went back and forth back and forth turned stopped turned stopped were patient made the dog sit all these things that you built into that 15 10 15 minutes covering 50 yards will tire your dog out quicker than if you took them for a three mile run chasing an ATV because it's mindless it's just running so I think you got to find balance my dogs get a little bit of a physical exercise every day they get a lot of mental exercise throughout the day they get a lot of downtime where they just lay around because that's life I don't have time to work on stuff with them every day all day so uh, we do spend a ton of time that way uh, okay so you say you know I think you realize it you say when you laughingly say uh, with a little laughy face there. Probably something I just need to get over. Yes, you and a lot of people. Because I think a lot of people think that these dogs just have to be run, 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 run. That's not the case. Um, thanks so much for your help. Your DVDs inspired your 10-year-old. So I'm excited to hear about that because I do think it's, you bring up a good point there at the end and I'm going to kind of wrap it up. It's a long one, but um, the, the inspiring your 10-year-old boy who desperately wanted to be involved in the training, that's a key to your dog's success. Your 10-year-olds, and I don't know, I'm looking at your, let me look at your Facebook profile here. We'll stalk you a little bit. Looks like you have one, two, three, four kids. So you've got a lot of people in the family. Uh, everyone needs to be on the same page. And so part of the success you're going to find will come only if you've got six people in that pack consistent with that one pup. And so the 10-year-old, uh, looked like maybe your oldest and then you had some younger ones, they should all be involved too. And it, 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 when I say involved, I'm not saying put a big burden of training on them. I'm saying just have them be a part of it and have them be consistent. Have them understand what not to do. Maybe is as important as what to do. Um, your husband's got to be on the same page. Your routines all have to be on the same page. So the consistency factor needs to be there with the stuff you do with the dog. It also needs to be there throughout your pack. And that means all the other people that are involved. And, and in a house of six, everyone is involved. Um, so I think, man, I think we kind of worked through these covers uh, or through these questions. Um, it, in your final response there, you're talking about the place training, in it, and I'm really glad to hear that. I think it's very important for people to understand place training is probably the easiest damn thing we do. Um, it's in our puppy DVD. Uh, you'll find it in countless spots on YouTube that we've done it with just dozens and dozens and dozens of dogs. We do it live a lot, live with Spry, we did it all the time. Bella, we did it in the Bella Be Good series, um, tons of it. So that training is, is real, real valuable. Um, it makes the dogs enjoyable in all different scenarios and situations. So Jennifer, that was a great question. I'm sure other people are going, man, Jennifer, nice work, good question answered a lot of stuff that other people are struggling with. Jennifer, I'm gonna send you a message. 
I will be asking for a t-shirt size and a shipping address. We'll send you a t-shirt. We appreciate you helping to make our podcast better with questions like that. I encourage other people to continue to ask them. I do have other people that have asked them. Um, Some of them work out really well for the podcast. Some of them don't work as well for the podcast. And I answer, I'll end up getting back to all of you guys through, through through the messaging and texting and the emails and all that stuff. Um, but please do continue to do that if that's something that you're interested in doing. Um, we're going to be filming, we're going to be recording another podcast here to follow this up. Uh, we're going to be talking about Bella. So Bella is a project that uh, I hope you guys are following along with. Um, continue to. Uh, we're going to do a podcast update on it here shortly. But um, again, thank you so much for supporting this podcast. Uh, please continue to share it with people that you think it might help you know jennifer just got a puppy and she said would have been really nice to have this stuff ahead of time i totally agree and i think your life would have been a whole lot easier if you guys know someone that you think it might help pay it forward and 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 pass the information on to them we'd really appreciate it if you'd subscribe to our podcast on any apps that you're on if you'd leave us reviews that would be fantastic it all helps us track and monitor how things are going from our end and it also helps us to grow from a, a traction standpoint um, with with within those apps. So if you do that, we'd appreciate it. YouTube is Dogbone Hunter. Um, social media stuff is all Dogbone Hunter. So thank you guys so much for your support. We appreciate it, um, and we will continue to to be putting these podcasts out. This one got a little bit long. I apologize for that, but um, we try to keep them a little bit shorter. But sometimes. I, like I said, when I, I mean, this was a novel when I opened it up. So, and this isn't even this is nowhere near the longest um, we've gotten in recently. So, good work, Jennifer. Thank you for helping out. Thank you for making the podcast a little bit better. 